Hey, Life Architects, Adam Carroll here with another episode of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. We are up to episode number 168. Ooh, today's a doozy. You probably have seen this gentleman's work before when you were, oh, I don't know, walking through the airport looking at books to read on your next flight. Maybe wandering around a Barnes & Noble bookstore, perhaps just cruising through Amazon one day. The gentleman's name is Mike Michalowicz. There's one statement I can say about Mike that sums him up wonderfully. He loves, loves entrepreneurs. He loves their spirit, their hustle, their grit, their desire to change the world. And Mike is an entrepreneur in his own right and a very successful one at that. He's got millions of books sold. That's Illions, starting with an M, millions, millions of dollars worth of consulting and coaching sold on the backs of those books. And he's pretty damn down to earth, which is awesome and refreshing all at once. We will talk on the show about his new book, Get Different, and why better isn't better, different is better, especially when it comes to marketing. He gives you some really concrete examples of this on the show today uh, that will probably blow your mind. They did mine. Uh, Mike is the author of The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Fix This Next, Profit First. That's a doozy the pumpkin plan, and most recently, get different. I'm sure there's one I'm missing in there somewhere, Mike. I know you're going to dig it, whether you own a biz or not. Mike has got the goods and he delivers them in a really, really fun way. You'll love the show. The show today is sponsored by theshredmethod.com. I'd like you to imagine your life with no monthly recurring debt payments, no car payment, no credit card payment, no student loan payment, and no mortgage. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? It is. The Shred Method is the fastest way to eliminate debt and build real wealth. There's no big secrets here. It literally is just math. And we cover all of this in greater depth at theshredmethod.com. So here's a question. What are you waiting for? Hundreds of couples are blasting away debt and building equity that will ultimately enhance and enrich their cash flow, and it makes couples look far more sexy to one another in the process. I see you, baby. Ow. Now, onto the hot seat. Here's Mike Michalowicz. Mike Michalowicz, welcome to the Build a Bigger Life podcast. Adam, it is such a joy to be with you. Thanks you for having me. I am so honored. I am so honored. You had me on your show not too long ago. Yeah. I was listening to the interview. I love your questioning. I think your tribe is perfect uh, for the message I was giving. I hope mine loves your message. Um, they know that I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask all of my guests, but what do you love about your life right now, Mike? I think what it is, is I, I love coming to work and I love going home. Like, and I don't, you know, there's this quest for balance. I don't know if, that exists in my definition, but the joy of both experiences is like, is I'm just living a very joyful life because I, I, I've been fortunate enough to build a practice or a business where I do the elements that I love to do and have surround myself with people that I adore. And going home, it's the same experience. I love spending time with my wife, the adventures we're doing, I'm taking more vacation this year than I have in my entire life. And uh, I'm already, I think six weeks of vacation. I have four more coming up, I'm taking off the entire month of December. Um, that's it's just such a privilege. Your That's boss is so generous. Your, your, bo your boss is so generous. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, talk about that though. Uh, 
one of these elements of taking time off is a strategic move. So yeah. what I realized is as a business owner, if I'm here, I can't help but insert myself. The greatest thing I did for my colleagues was just not be available. And they started to elevate. But here's what's interesting. The president of our company, her name is Kelsey, came back to me and said, um, now you're doing this for vacation. We're, we're performing at a higher level. Uh, we need to do this for everybody. She went on an eight-week sabbatical. We, we covered her work. Every employee here is required, it's mandated to take a four-consecutive-week four vacation from work every year um, in addition to your regular vacation. So you know the goal isn't like to pack it all in. What it does is it causes um, re- instant redundancy. Yeah. Jeremy, our social media guy, uh, can't leave unless Izzy and you know Jenna have have him back. Right. So he's been starting to create systems. It's also a great attractor factor. So Izzy, who I just mentioned, uh, she's a millennial. Uh, I don't even know if the word's millennial. Whatever the youngest generation is now, Gen Z, whatever. Yeah. She's in her early twenties, and this is her first job. And she had other authors offers that were quote unquote better on the salary, but she had said no one offered this environment. She's like, it was, it wasn't even a question. She's like, I, I'm just thrilled to be here. Um, so awesome. Yeah. So that that's, yeah. I'm rambling. So awesome. You're, we're going to talk about all sorts of things in this wandering and fun interview that we will have here over the next several minutes. I want to bring up a couple of points that I've read in multiple books of yours. You and I've had conversations about this. One of your stated missions is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Why does it exist in your opinion? Entrepreneurial poverty exists because I think we go in um, uneducated and that's a blessing to the entrepreneurial journey. So I think the greatest day, sadly, for most entrepreneurs is the day before they start the business. That's the the heart's racing. I'm going to be a millionaire soon. I'm going to live a life as I define it. And then we get thrown into the fire and it's, we're not making any money. We're living check by check. We don't have any kind of personal freedom. All we do is we become enslaved to the business. That gap between what we always thought would happen and the reality, that big gorge is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. I think we go in it ill-prepared, but I also think if you went in prepared, most people wouldn't even start a business. So you have to go in ill-prepared. The thing is we don't have the tools to navigate the journey. We think if we just keep working harder, it's going to scale us. But if you think about it logically, you can't. There's only so much time and effort you can make. Right. So what you do for stage one is not what you do for stage two. And stage two needs stage... You know, we don't have the tools to start shifting the way we're behaving within the business. I think right. that's the problem. Right. And in your opinion, do you see people giving up too early? Yeah, but not... You know, I see people giving up, but not in the way you'd think. I, not shuttering the doors. It happens a lot. The way they give up is they give up on themselves. They say, I guess this is the way it's going to be. And uh, many businesses that have been in business for 20 years are just repeating year one over again and again, 20 times over. Yes. Um, So they've given up in the belief of what they wanted to achieve. And I think, I guess this is just my life now. And, uh, you know, there's that saying, many people live their lives in quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. They are talking about entrepreneurs, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I want to talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, I heard on a podcast one time, it was a, an author. Actually, he was a, he was a screenwriter for Hollywood. And he had this great book idea. And his agent told him, do not do this book. Do not do this book. 
unless you're willing to commit two years of your life to it. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I've noted about you is you, you, have, you have mastered, seemingly, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you've mastered the art of creating a book that is a product, a consulting program on the backside of that book that is a business, mm-hmm. and you keep replicating yourself replicating over it, and yeah. over and over again. And yeah. you've done that so well. All the books behind you, Profit First, Clockwork, the pumpkin plan, fix yeah. this next, get different. We're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. And I actually just signed a licensing deal for a future book that's coming out in two years. Of course you did. Of course, of course I did. Of course. <laughs> um, listen, ha- happenstance happens. It, it wasn't like I went in with this grand plan. Like I'm not, I didn't say I'm going to be an author guy who has all these little businesses behind it. Like I felt this calling to be an author to curate ideas and something like, Oh, some people say to me, wow, you really have a lot of ideas. Like you create a lot of ideas. I am not a creator. I'm a curator. Mm. And uh, what that means is I I hear a problem. I often experience that same problem. And then I try to collect all the knowledge around and package it in a way that's palatable and consumable. Um, Which means my flavor, my form of entertainment and really simple. It's funny. I saw my attorney recently about forming some kind of special subsidiary business it's a, it's a corporate attorney and like, Oh, you got to do this and this and this, and you'll save on taxes. I'm like, I am so lost right now. I'm like, just tell me, is this an apple here or an orange? Like you've got to get that level with me. Yeah. And that's how I like to write my books. The, um, what's interesting is for any, the interesting thing about a book is when something is in book form, the, consumption of it changes. If I said these exact same words just on our podcast today, they aren't as consumable. They aren't as biblical as they went in a book. Like people are like, Oh my God, this is the word. Right. But here's what's interesting too, is I would say a small percentage, five to 10% of readers of a book are not reading the book with the intention of improving themselves. Mm. They're, they're reading the book. I mean, it's a subconscious thing to find a source that they trust. Most are, are looking to be do-it-yourselfers, do but a small percentage are saying, I just want to see if I get this and I trust this source. Right. And then they go to the source. And that's why when I came to parent, when I wrote um, even my first book, which was called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, enough people were coming to me saying, hey, I need to understand if I'm doing this right. Can you consult me? And uh, that's not a gift of mine. I, I'm, I'm a sucky I'm a sucky coach. I'm a sucky consultant. <laughs> Some people still insist on hiring me to do that. And I'm like, you're going to pay a lot of money f- for the exact same thing that's in the book. Like I wouldn't encourage it. Yeah. Um, but I do know and have partnered now with people that are really extraordinary at guiding people through They're They're truly are teachers. And so that's, that's how this came about. And, and I'm now I'm in such a blessed position that I have people proactively reaching out to me and saying, Hey, if you write a book on this topic, I'd like to buy that license. It's I'm blessed, freaking blessed. It's amazing. It is really, really cool. I want to go back to your comment about the toilet paper entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, in the book, Get Different, you talk about the fact you had 20,000 copies of that book in your house. In tears. In lots which of tears. I freaking loved. Because the, the image of you just shucking all those boxes of books in, I've been there, dude. And not at, to the tune of 20,000. Mine come in like three or 5,000. It sucks. The second there's the word thousand, it sucks. You have no concept unless you've unloaded it. How many books that is? How many? Oh boxes my god! Is. Yeah, so it is a lot of boxes. It's funny. So I I called the print house. I ordered so I ordered twenty thousand copies of my book before I launched because I'm like, oh, that'll cover me for a week, right? Because 
I did the classic, the classic businessman mistake, the business plan mistake is running the numbers and then giving a pessimistic view. But the numbers are so arbitrary. I said, oh, there's 300 million businesses in the globe. There's 180 million businesses in the US. Um, you know, if if less than one percent hear about me, that's a hundred thousand. Twenty thousand is a I no brainer. Order twenty thousand. Yeah. yeah, it's pessimistic. <laughs> I sold zero the first day, and that that was the hard truth. I called the the print house that was doing distribution. I couldn't afford the distribution. I couldn't. They were warehousing it for a thousand dollars, a thousand, yeah, a thousand bucks a, uh, a month, a month, okay. month, yeah. And I, I, the owners is true. I call up. And I talked to someone there and like, oh, you're the guy with 20,000 books. I said, yeah. Like, hey, the owner wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. He says, we've never had someone print 20,000 for the first run. I, it was such a big order that I've decided to read this book myself. And uh, he was complimenting me. And I was like, holy shit, what did I, no one does this? <laughs> so that's when I ordered the books. A rider truck comes or one of those, you know, whatever, you know, sea land trucks comes. It's a yeah. short one. Um, 18 wheeler short one, but I was like, oh, they must be doing a lot of deliveries. It was packed with my book. It was skid after skid after skid. It must've been like 10 skids or 15 skids. Like, yeah, that's massive. And these, these are things, of books, like five, six feet high. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Each box was 40 pounds. Remember? Cause it said, uh, it said 38 books, yeah. 40 pounds. Right. And once you carry like box 100, my knees were screaming cause I'm going up and down steps. It was the most humbling experience I can think of uh, in my author career. I've had other humbling experiences, but that one for hours, just moving books, moving books, moving books. So in the nature of Get Different, I I have, uh, as I was reading the book, and we're going to talk about the book here in a moment, um, I was thinking about all the books that I have in my basement because um, I ordered a boatload of them and then COVID hit. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, yeah. Get this, Mike, the title of the book, the latest book that I, I wrote in 19, published in 2020, and it launched like January of 2020, is the Build a Bigger Life Manifesto. Yeah. And then COVID hit and everybody's yeah. inside. And they're like- The only only title more difficult than that would have been COVID isn't going to happen. Right, right. Yeah. Pandemic. COVID won't happen, I guarantee it. <laughs> So I had this idea, like, I'm going to start building furniture out of the boxes and then put my books all, all on the outside. So all these photo ops of me shooting pool on my pool table that's lined with books and yeah, 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 playing yeah. ping pong on the table that's covered in books, that kind of thing. So my, my son made a throne. I actually have a picture. It may even be on my phone, but he made a throne out of all the boxes and sat on this throne. I have to see it. Oh, I I, I'll see. Yeah, it may be. On, but I won't look now because I got so many pictures on here, but I'll, I'll find it. And send it okay. To well, let's let's dive into this book. This is, uh, you know, I've read, I believe, all of your books, with the exception maybe of Clockwork. I don't think I've read Clockwork okay. yet. Thank you. Um, and they're awesome. I love your writing style. It's very conversational. You and I have known each other. The way you write is the way you talk. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, replete with like bathroom humor and yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. whatnot. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, 80s music references, very yeah, totally. I can't like stop it's, myself. It's just awesome. I busted Sammy Hagar's chops. Totally. I can't drive 55. Totally. I'm waiting for those guys to leave comments. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, in the book, Get Different, one of the things you talk about is using the dad marketing framework. Yeah. And so describe for my listeners what the dad marketing framework is. So um essentially. It is the three elements we need to check off to most likely have a successful 
uh, marketing campaign, whatever the marketing campaign is. And if you miss any one of these three elements, it's likely crippled. And most marketing misses something. So step one, the first D is differentiate. What differentiate means is don't do the common noise of everyone else. The reason why we have to avoid that is our mind, the prospect mind becomes very habituated quickly to common noise. I think one of the relevant current examples is the Hey Friend emails. I don't know when they started, but maybe five or 10 years ago, I got my first Hey Friend. Yeah. I remember when I saw it too, the first one was like, oh my God, like I have this friend calling me a friend. Like which friendly friend is this? They're so friendly. They don't even call me by my first name. Right. Um, and I was like, this it is amazing. So I start reading through it and I get smarmy marketing is irrelevant. I deleted it. I've never read a Hey Friend since, and maybe I've gotten hundreds or thousands. That's how quickly our mind habituates. Yeah. We, we, we deem something as ignorable and we forever more ignore it. Different is interesting. When something is unexpected and presents itself, our mind, there's a thing called the reticular formation. That's a kind of a net holding out all the distractions. It actually springs open, literally, figuratively. It springs open and it stimulates what's called the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex of our mind. It basically lights up our mind and says, whatever is different here, this could be a threat. This could be an opportunity or maybe something I'm going to classify as ignorable, but I have to figure out what it is. Mm. If you're out in a yard or something and something squiggles in the ground, you've felt this. You see yourself jumping back even before you've conscious thought. You're like, whoa. Right. You look down. That's when your prefrontal cortex gets hit. And it says, is this a snake threat? Is this someone turned on the garden hose? Ignorable. Did someone drop a wad of cash and it's rolling down? Um, you know, and, and there was that rubber band on it. Yeah. That's an opportunity. We have to pay attention. So step one in your marketing, do something unexpected and you guarantee attention. Hmm. The thing is the attention is very short-lived. It's about one-tenth of a second. It actually takes longer to blink than it does to uh, bring about a conscious thought. So right. we got to rapidly move. Uh, at the next increment, the A stands for attract. Once you garner attention, it must be compelling and attractive to our audience. Hmm. Basically, speak the language, speak to the interests of your audience. And uh, I, I think I... I articulated 15 to 20 different attractor factors. Robert Cialdini was uh, a defining authority in, in seven core principles. I yep. expand on some of that stuff. So curiosity, entertainment, those are all uh, ways of engaging. He talks about social proof, authority. Those are all things. And when you couple them together, it only amplifies its attractor factor. But attraction does wane. You know, if you said, hey, I'm going to be the first podcast that goes for 48 hours straight, uh, there's going to be very few, probably no audience members that stick out for 48 hours because right. our attraction will wane. Unless there's this continual build of better and better stuff, we're going to fade. So we have to then move on in our marketing to our next step, which is direct. And that's the final step. A direct is giving the prospect a reasonable, you got to underline that, reasonable action to take. So if I'm selling cars and you want to buy a car and you come into my lot and say, I'm looking for my dream car. I say, great, give me $100,000 right now. Let's go find it. That's unreasonable. Uh, you won't do that transaction. If I did say, um, would you be willing to give me your cell number? I'll take pictures of our inventory at this lot and other lots to see if we can find it. That may be a reasonable transaction. Mm. The goal here in the direct is don't put the prospect in the, the void of circulating with no progress. Like you go to a website that says learn more as a call to action. The whole reason we went to the website was to learn more. Uh, right. Now we're, we're in this, this ambiguous purgatory. So instead, move them closer to the final transaction, but do it in a reasonable pace where they feel comfortable, but move as efficiently as possible so that we get to the end transaction. You get your dream car, I get my commission. 
what we have to do with the dad is any marketing you look at, your, your competition, your contemporaries, your own, look at the marketing and say, does this really distinguish itself in the market? Is this really compelling and attractive? Does this direct me to do something? If it's missing one of those elements, it's crippled. If it's missing multiples, it's done. And uh, if you hit all three, the likelihood for success amplifies significantly. Interesting. You, you mentioned in the book, uh, better is not better, different is better. Yeah. And that whole idea about differentiation, um, I, I, you know, I was intrigued by it enough to like go down the rabbit hole, download all the documents that you make available, which is unbelievable. Like the resources you have in the book and the appendix. Oh, thanks. Oh, I like that stuff. Yeah. You could do it. Somebody could do it themselves. Should they want to? That's the idea. However, you also offer a service that, that walks people through this process. Well, that's um, that model. Yeah. We talked about, yeah. but but I think 95% of the people or that read the book, maybe more, will do on their own. And that's a, that's a critical community. I, I think a lot of authors miss out on that yeah. is when we write in the nonfiction space, is my vehement belief, we need to deliver every ounce of our knowledge and give every ounce of capability within that $24 or $25 package, whatever a book sells for. Yep. Because the majority of the community is looking for that. And those DIYers, if they have success with it, they become your marketing engine. They tell other people, this is the source. Yep. They're, they're an extraordinary community. And when you give everything away, it also builds trust for that other 5%. Because people right. say, where is the person that gets this? Or who's the authority on this space? If you give every ounce of your knowledge in the book, they say, I found my guy and I'll right. buy from you. So that's why I put everything in the book. You you are great at giving stories throughout the book, which I assumed would probably be part of it. Some of the, the case studies of folks who've done, uh, oh, yeah. who are... Uh, they do different, right? Yeah. Is that what we call them? Different doers? Different doers, different, different doers. doers. And I thought one of the ones that was really interesting was the birthday candle idea for the restaurant. Oh, Casey Anton? Yeah, share that really quick, will you? Yeah, so Casey uh, owned a restaurant. She now consults restaurants and you'll find out why. She owned a restaurant along with like three or four other partners. And it was one of those higher end ones, Zagat rated or Zagat rated. Um, it was uh, a white glove experience. And they weren't getting enough traffic. So what the other business owners were doing, saying, well, we're going to do the best practices of the industry to solicit clients, which, by the way, when you hear best practice, it's usually very applicable in all spaces except for marketing because that's right. been habituated. It's been done all the time. It's yeah. been done. So this, this uh, what her partners were doing was going to other restaurants and uh, soliciting customers at the restaurant saying, hey, you love it here? You should come to our place. Like That was her marketing. She said, when we have a customer in there, one time, um, what we're going to do is get their birthday and we're going to mail them a candle, which sounds like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese type of move. Right. So the partner's like, no, that's embarrassing. Um, that's so amateurish. And she stuck with her gun. She said, no, we're going to send them a candle. And that's what she does. So that's what she did. She sent a letter saying, um, here's a candle to celebrate your upcoming birthday. We invite you into our restaurant for a free meal. No, no, like 10% off. No, has to be another no. guest. Yeah. Just a free meal. Yeah. Who, no, who celebrates their birthday on their own? And if someone's celebrating their birthday on their own, they deserve a free or meal. Master. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They deserve <laughs> it. So, so uh, people come in with uh, a few other folks and uh, they were making money and people loved the celebration. But she didn't leave it there. She realized that, uh, um, I call these marketing experiments, something that we expect to enhance and change. As the summer months rolled in, candles don't do so, do so well in the summer months. They're melting. So then she started putting confetti in it. But confetti didn't do well. When somebody opens a letter and there's confetti on their floor, now they got to clean up your slop. It actually curtails. So then she's like, I'm going to start putting balloons in. 
And that became a massive success. Oh. She's putting balloons in, sometimes custom balloons, celebrating your birthday and, and with your name on it. And uh, people could blow it up and giving it away. The restaurant continued on for years. It was their number one source of marketing. And here's the craziest part. The partners resisted it even after it worked. They still said, but this kid's kitschy, it's gimmicky. F that. If a gimmick drives results, it isn't a gimmick. It's right. the method that works. Right. And and how many of those quote unquote gimmicky things probably never see the light of day because they're li- labeled as gimmicks? You That's can- our uh, reptilian brain. So if you rewind to the the cave dweller times, yeah. Um, if I resisted what the tribe wanted to do, if you know you and the guys are saying we're going for a woolly mammoth, and I'm like, no, saber tooth tiger. Um, I'm rejecting the tribe's desire. I'm not supportive of the group. I'm rejected. I'm actually a threat to the tribe. I'm I'm consuming food. I'm consuming resources and not contributing. It's it's a death sentence. I was excluded from the tribe, which meant certain death. So um, compliance was the number one driver of the the cave dweller. And if you fast forward to modern society, it's still in a reptilian mind. We are so driven to comply. We feel discomfort, fear of doing something that's different. And it's sad when it comes to marketing, so many people don't do different because cave dweller. We're afraid, well, if it doesn't work, it could be embarrassing um, and we avoid it. So, so many great ideas never get the light of day. One of the quotes you listed towards the end of the book and get different was from uh, Zuckerberg. And it was um, our, uh, what was it? One strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Yes. Do you remember that quote? I do. I do. Um, and I think on a marketing from from a marketing standpoint, it could not be truer. I mean, if we're not if we're not risking something, because playing it safe is is exactly what uh, keeps people stuck in neutral. It's same same. We filter out the noise because it's all the same. I was talking with uh, Justin Wise. He's the president of our company called the Different Company, and um, that's the faction of our organization that teaches. This process, yeah, love and, uh, by by the way, in my backyard, you know, he's what's in your backyard. He's in West Des Moines. Oh, he's he's that close to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not I, literally I, my backyard, but I could. I did not appreciate. It. He, he's awesome. He is awesome. And what's interesting is just today uh, we had a student going through this, and he said, uh, "I'm learning nothing new. There is no value here." And Justin said. Um, we'd like to immediately refund you. Please tell us the actions that you did take in the course. And the guy said, I did nothing. God bless his integrity. Um, and we said, okay, now we know why it's failing you. You know, all the knowledge in the world does nothing until we execute on it. Yeah. And uh, to Zuckerberg's point is all the great ideas in the world takes is nothing until you take the risk of doing it. Yeah. I'd rather people have really horrible marketing attempts that fail, but they try and they built the muscle of confidence as opposed to having extraordinary ideas that never see the light of day. Yes. You yourself give a couple examples of what you've done. Um, one of the, the ones that I think was super notable and hilarious, candidly, was changing the Wi-Fi access point oh. on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, got, I bought a wireless access point. So I was taking a flight. This is in the last year. And I know I, you know, it's just like everyone on the airplane, you're checking your phone before you take off. And yeah. I start noticing these Wi-Fi access points. And one guy's access point was like the FBI or CIA or something. I'm like, oh my God, that's kind of, that's kind of cute. I get it. Ha ha. And then it's like, oh, if I'm seeing his access point, so is everyone else. Yeah. Why don't I set one up? And then 
or, or hotspot or personal hot point, whatever they call it. Yeah. So I, I bought a wireless access point, which is, is, is those Wi-Fi routers. This has an amplitude of 10 times a hotspot. And I, I got, there's these little micro ones I have in my backpack. It's connected to a battery. It'll, it'll last a full day, 12 hours. And I, I walk into the airport. I got some my backpack. So and everyone at the airport's logging in. <laughs> you're seeing your free airport yeah. terminal access. And right next to it says, buy, get different on Amazon. When I go to a conference, I, I will go to the uh, AV desk and say, hey, do you mind if I leave my bag here today? I'm one of the speakers in the afternoon. Can I leave this here? I get no problem. I leave it there with my access point on. Everyone's coming into the conference, is sitting down. You know, what do you do before a conference starts? You log in yeah, and you're seeing in. my book. I've now literally have people come up to me after an event or during an event saying, dude, you wouldn't believe this. This event is marketing your book on the Wi-Fi system. <laughs> and I'm like, really? That's amazing. This is this is a million dollar idea. You know what's funny though, Adam, is um almost no one takes up these different ideas. So right. I, I've shared that in the book. I should, I've yet to hear someone else do it. It's unbelievable how much that fear is wired into us. Right. It's a golden opportunity. And if everyone replicates it, then it washes itself out. And that's sure. how it works. But until it does, it's a golden opportunity for someone else to replicate. Yes. You you mentioned another one in the book. It was the Malcolm Gladwell video. Uh, I think it was a video review of of one of his books. You were talking about on Amazon. If someone's a a fan of of his work, they'll go down a little bit farther in the rabbit. There's my videos. Yeah, there are your videos. Free real estate. Yes, you know you know the key here is um, when you create different marketing is not to say or to look around the environment and say oh that's different that's different. It's actually as you experience the day-to-day, what naturally grabs your attention and garners your attention at a subconscious level. And so I surf Amazon all the time. I've probably surfed it a hundred times before. And then this one time I noticed like, wow, there's these, this video down here someone did. And I clicked on the video and they're reviewing the book. Like, this is great. So then I looked at another site and I'm like, oh, there's no video. Most author sites have no videos. And these are big time authors, Malcolm Gladwell, Science Cynic. There's no videos and anyone can upload a video. So I'm like, I'm going to start reviewing books and, and, it, and it's authentic reviews. So when I read the book, I have something to volunteer and offer sure, around sure. a Malcolm Gladwell book. And I explain what I've read and um, most of these books I adore and love. If I don't like a book, I don't think I should give it a review. So I avoid right. that. Um, and here's what's interesting. So I, I leave those and behind me uh, is, you know, a display of my own book. So people are seeing that uh, it's hard to measure. I can't tell if it's resulting in more book sales, yeah. but there's something that's very easy to measure is the authors themselves call me. I've had big time authors call me and say, hey, thanks so much for doing that review. They have hundreds or thousands of reviews in the, the starring system. They have one video and that's the one they notice. I guarantee Malcolm Gladwell, when he posts a new book, he's probably checking out Amazon, even the mighty Malcolm Gladwell's check out Amazon and see how his book's doing and scrolls down the page and he sees me there. And uh, that that's great access to someone of influence. No doubt. Let's be honest, Mike, they all are. Stephen, we all are. They yeah. all are. We, anyone, yeah, anyone who's got something on Amazon for sale is. Yeah, we're all checking it out. Yeah, it's like googling. Our, here's a trick I used to do when I had a uh, forensics business. We used to do computer crime investigation. We wanted to land marquee attorneys as our um, as our clients. I would write an open letter. So I'd write, you know, uh, dear Adam Carroll, uh, I, I respect what you've done in the legal industry and, uh, and, and some information about you. Um, it'd be an honor one day to talk with you, uh, and learn more from you. And I just post on my website. Well, 
guess what name you're Googling every so often? Adam Carroll. What are people saying about me? Yeah. And uh, people would land on my website, seeing their name, seeing open letters to them. It inspired many of those people to call me. I land some of my biggest clients by doing open letters just because it used their name. That's awesome. Uh, it's so good, man. It's brilliant. There's there's another example you gave in the book, and I want to uh, I want to get your impression of this because I didn't candidly know the background of of Geek Squad, but you used oh, you Geek Squad. No, I thought it was started by uh, Best Buy. I thought oh, Best Buy that was a brainchild internally. Yeah, but uh, describe the the sort of formation, the origin story of Geek Squad. Uh, amazing. It's, it's a favorite, and it's also a nemesis at the same time. So, because I had a computer company, uh, and Here's how the scenario was. This was in the mid nineties. I'm my little computer business and I throw on my oversized suit. So I look like a human scarecrow and I'm walking around with all my certifications and all this knowledge and, and, and sometimes literally knocking door to door, but trying to sell myself and saying to them, I am better. And to the earlier point, better is not better. Difference better. I'm better than my competition. My competition looked the same way, act the same way. They were knocking on the doors too. Well, um, one day this, this company comes in and it, it, it beats us all down six ways to Sunday. Yeah. And uh, it's geek squad and geek squad in a, in technical ability, their technicians were not superior. They're likely inferior to what we did. They didn't have the credentials and all stuff, but they had the courage that we didn't, they wore the flood pants, the narrow tie, the glasses with tape in it. And, uh, they became the superheroes of the industry. Who doesn't want a geek saving their business or yeah. serving their business? Super nerds, right? They were super, super nerds. nerds. You know, of, they did the same stuff we did. We did it better. They did it different. They were only different in the way they presented themselves. And they lapped things up. Best Buy acquires them collectively. It's a billion-dollar corporation now. Robert Stevens, who I'm trying to get hold of, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to connect with him, but I read and watched many interviews with him. One of my favorite things I saw him say was he said, the more ordinary an industry, the more extraordinary the opportunity to differentiate yourself. It's mm -hmm. easy. When everyone's wearing lanky scarecrow suits, that's the one thing not to do. Right. When everyone's doing something one way, that's the one thing not to do. And you already have a leg up because you're differentiated. Wow. Uh, the, the first thing that came to mind, candidly, there's a car dealership in, in our area <clears throat> and all of his ads, he does his own ads. Yeah. They're very different than everyone else's. Love it. And my kids, when he gets to his phone number and he gets to the tagline, my kids repeat it verbatim every time. I love it. You know, it's I like, it. It, it is, it is differentiation and people, and it just, they commit it to memory. It's, it's I remember uh, being entranced by a novella, you know, that that's the um, Latino uh, soap operas. And this one particular was so overacted, like Maria. Antonio, I, like it was so overacted and I'm like, I'm entranced by it. And novellas took, they exploded because they're different than every other soap opera. It's not general hospital yet again. Yes. And th they just gave a fresh spin on it. It's not better. Um, and, and you, and, and there's a million arguments. If, if you are a big general hospital, I don't even know if they still do that soap opera, but if you are, um, it is not, um, better. There's so many technical arguments. Why not? But it's right. different. And it explodes. It, it just takes courage every time. I bet you that guy running commercials, it took courage to do that. I'm yeah. sure his friends are like, that's goofy or you're yeah. weird. Yeah, he's laughing all the way to the bank. I bet. Absolutely. By the way, we used to call that generally hospitalized. <laughs> that, that was the name for that. Generally and I don't, I don't know about, I mean, for those that are watching this at some point on YouTube, 
I, I, I think you could seriously make hay on your own novella. I really do. Me? Yeah. What you just did. The novella. Yeah. I think of that. I just, I want to just give this to you right now. There you go. There you go. Um, I, two things I want to uh, touch on really quick. We have a limited amount of time here, Mike, and I want to make sure uh, folks listening get the maximum amount out of it. If people are out there and they're like, okay, this is great, but how do I get different? I'm not creative. Uh, yeah. you know, I come up with ideas, and, but they're not that good and so on and so forth. Uh, a couple of the things that you threw out in the book, um, I'm going to throw one of them out, then I would love to hear yeah. another one from you. But the idea mine, I thought was brilliant. Because I've found that you get a group of people together that are all brainstorming and it's, it, it's not necessarily directly in your business. Some ideas will come of it. Yeah. Particularly if they're not in your business, because you break out of that. It's interesting. We ran an idea of mine uh, here at the, our office physically here on Monday. And uh, an idea of mine is a form of brainstorming. It has little different elements. And one of the biggest, probably the biggest, most important element is that the Participant, the one who's benefiting from the ideas is not participating in giving the ideas or directing them. If, if it's physical, they literally turn their head away and they only take notes. They can't speak up. Everyone's armed with an extra pen. You can throw it at that person if they start talking because we just want to riff and wander. Mm. So one of the business owners here manufactures uh, baby um, toys is the right word, but like a pacifier, clips, stuff like that. Sure. They're really durable. That's her differentiator in, in regards to the brand itself. And uh, she says, I'm trying to show people their, its durability. And uh, the ideas went around. And one idea that landed from someone who's a concrete manufacturer, that's what they do. They just have this big truck spinning concrete. He says, uh, what if we had the most vicious baby in the world try to tear us apart? And I'm like, well, what's the most vicious baby? He goes, a puppy. And so the, the little idea was a puppy grabbing this pacifier because puppies can tear apart anything. Right. They can't tear apart the pacifier and even start off with this little video saying that we've, we've found the most vicious, aggressive baby in the plant to test our products and it even survived this. And you see this puppy just gnawing away at it. What, what a cool angle. And so uh, that was one of the ideas of, of countless ones that came out. And yeah. I don't know which one the uh, business owner is going to go with. But that's one way to generate ideas is to get other people's insights. Another thing is to do R&D. And R&D stands for rip off and duplicate. Go outside your industry and look at what's working elsewhere. Um, I'll give you an example here. In our own street, we have three fitness companies, fitness studios, you know, lift weights and get nice and fit. And what they have is these before and after photos in their windows of their clients. Here's schlubby woman. Now here's ripped woman. Here's schlubby guy. Here's ripped guy. And, uh, Everyone had that same thing. So I went to them, none of them willing to do it. I found another studio uh, that was willing to do it. I said, let's take an idea from outside the industry. And we took an idea from fun houses. Uh, anytime you're at a carnival and there's a fun house, look at the mirrors. Everyone's taking pictures of themselves. You look like a space alien. You look all funny. Take pictures. So we got rid of those before and afters, common noise. And we replaced it with these uh, mirrors. And one of them makes you look really squat and kind of flattens you out. The other one looks, makes you look lean. And so on the squat one, we put the words before in big text on that mirror. And the other one says after. So now people are walking by the studio and they see the, see a mirror. We love to see ourselves. We're not taking pictures of before and afters of ourselves. And there's a sign that says, we just transformed you in our mirrors. We want to transform you permanently in your bathroom mirror. Come inside. And uh, the foot traffic has, has 
I don't even know the numbers. It's been a significant increase. So one technique too, is to look outside your industry and just borrow ideas that someone else already has mastered. Yeah. You talk about blending in the book, which I love that idea. Um, I, I heard someone say one time about innovation that there are, this is a common statement, right? There are no new ideas, Yeah, but innovation is the melding, the blending of two ideas together right, to create something new and unique, which, which I love. I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. You also, one last thing you, you talked about in the book about finding your EST, your yeah. EST. Will you describe that for my tribe? Yeah. So the EST is a superlative and uh, this is a great way to differentiate yourself. I remember learning it from my own son. He, he was six years old at the time and we were watching the Olympics. This is when Michael Phelps was in his second Olympics. I think he had won the umpteenth billion medal. And I remember this one race. You may remember this one because it was, it was very memorable. He was doing, uh, I think it was the butterfly stroke, which he is famous for his second wind in the stroke. But in this one particular race, the Serbian or whoever, whoever nation was being represented was far enough ahead that he was going to win. And with maybe three yards left, the Serbian reaches out to touch the wall. Phelps, is, he's, just, he's just digging deep into that water. With, with millimeters to go from the Serbian touch it, Phelps comes out of the water like a shark and slaps the wall as hard as he can. And he beats the Serbian by a fingernail and gets the gold. And I jump up and I'm like, this is the greatest learning moment for a six-year-old. I'm like, Jake, that's the world's best effort, drive. I'm all jacked up. And my son looks at me and he goes, daddy, he's not the world be- world's best. Jimmy Mickeldorf from school is. Now, Adam, this is not a teaching moment. This is not a teaching moment. I look at my son and I go, who the fuck is Jimmy Mickeldorf? <laughs> don't, don't do that with a six-year-old. Your wife will slap you. And- I have no I have no idea. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. It, was not, it did not end well for me. But he looks at me and goes, daddy, Jimmy uh, can splash. Oh, I'm sorry. Jimmy can swim across the lake. There's a lake in our town. He can swim across the lake and back. And he goes, there's no one in kindergarten that can do that. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, it is not the fastest Michael Phelps. It is the perception of the consumer and what they believe to be the best. Yes. So it was the furthest swimming. There was another kid who could make the biggest, biggest cannonball splash. Right. He's a champion. So we all look at um, the world around us and we focus on the superlatives and all of them are categorically the best. Yeah. So the concept of the est is just pick your category. You right. can have the fastest response or the slowest response. When it comes to marketing, you can have the funniest or the most serious. You can have the weirdest, the coolest, the, the blandest or, or the sharpest, but it's got to be one or the other. It's got to be the superlative. It has to be the extreme. Mm. That's the second I'll pop and get noticed. Mm. That's good. That's deep. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of companies that could sit in a room all day and figure out what their, their best opportunities, their best opportunities are. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, geek squat surely said we're going to be the geekiest and uh, they, they leaned into it. So it's a great way to amplify your marketing too. They didn't just stress that way. Uh, their titles, um, there was double agents, secret agents. Um, the Robert Stevens, the owner was the chief inspector. Like they leaned into the geekness. Um, that's what they didn't start with cars. They have those kind of Keystone cop Volkswagen rugs. Right. They started off with bicycles. Um, but they said, that's not geeky enough. Uh, you, what, what geek's going to use any, you know, motor skills. We got it. We got to get Volkswagen buses. They even, um, when they were in Minnesota, they came out of Minnesota they put their logos on the bottom of their feet, 
uh, the soles of their shoes. So when they were walking, they're leaving stamps of geek squad all over the place. They leaned into geekhood and, and, and waved it like they were superheroes. And, and admittedly to their consumers, they were superheroes. Right. What was that deal worth? Do you know? Uh, He sold it for 3 million cash on the barrel head plus equity in Best Buy. Best Buy is valued at a billion dollars. Um, Robert Stevens, I understand, is doing okay for himself. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's why I'm trying to interview him. And like uh, every one of his gatekeepers is uh, just shuttering me down. So uh, I think he's doing all right. Who is this Mike Michalowicz? Who's this Michalowicz shit's guy? (laughs) You got some weird stalker. (laughs) Um, But you sold your computer company. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. For not not billions of dollars. Okay. Yeah. Um, I sold. I didn't, I could have hit it out of the park, right? The, the difference between my business and his business, as far as I can evaluate, wasn't execution, uh, wasn't skill. It was simply his willingness to market differently and my unwillingness to do that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a billion-dollar different valuation. Yeah. The gray, the, the gray suit squad just didn't have a <laughs> ring to it? That's what I was. I was the, yeah, the, scare, the scarecrow squad, just like everybody else. Yeah. Well, As I in the books, I call them the gray suits, right? Because the idea is if, if you have a room full of gray suits, how do you know who's what? And what most people are trying to do is be a grayer gray, a more fit gray. It's all gray. The second someone walks in with red, it pops. we got to get that pop in our marketing. Well, here's what I'll say. I think you turned out okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You got, a, you got a kick-ass beard right now. You got <laughs> lots of successful books on the back wall. Come on. That's funny. I'd love to be on like a, a stage with Robert Stevens. Like, hey, you did okay, Robert. You got a billion dollar valuation, big exit. You have a national brand. Hey, you're even in the Smithsonian uh, with your suit. Mike, you did okay. You got a beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got some books and a beard. <laughs> yeah. Your first order at 20,000. You know, that was a stretch. Yeah. You got 20,000 books at your house. You got that beard, bro. I, yeah. That's, you know, some people go patchy. You're, you're filling something. your down. <laughs> How do uh, how do people that are interested in getting different, in being a different doer, how do they engage? Like, what is the best step for them to take? So you go to pornmasters.com. <laughs> so I thought, you know, why not? First of all, everyone's going there anyway. And secondly, that's different. Hi, SEO. Yeah, the the sure. SEO is amazing. Yeah. Uh, the website to go to is gogetdifferent.com. Um it's, it's dedicated to the book. I think the value of going to that site first is the free resources. Um, in particular, I have a hundred different marketing techniques that you can use and implement immediately. You can just start trying out and it costs nothing or very little. It'll start building that different muscle and that's the key. And then if you so desire, I love if you get the book, there's links to, it's everywhere. Um, your local bookstore has it, that libraries, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, whatever, wherever you're buying or select location is, it'll be there. Awesome. Are available through there. And what is final question? What is next for Mike? Well, I got a children's book. I don't know if you can see it's kind of blurred in the background right there. It's called my money bunnies. And uh, that's coming out this Christmas. So it's my first ever children's book. It's based upon the principles I teach in profit first, but uh, simplified so that a youngster can, and I say youngster, I mean, four five, six years old yeah. can master basic financial principles, stuff that uh, I think we need to, Way more children need to know earlier on. No, no doubt. You and I are on a similar mission in that because I would love for kids to get 
to get money and get hands-on money decisions early on. Financial acuity, yeah. Gotta have it, right? Gotta have it. Yeah. I, I hope this book serves this. I, um, I'm really excited about it and we'll see how we do, but uh, I may start leaning into more children's books. Um, I think it's a market. I don't know. Market's not the right word. It's a generation that, that the, the sooner you learn some foundational principles, I think the, the better we'll be able to live and, and also be contributors to society. Yes. Agreed. Mike, thank you for the time, man. I know Adam, as always, thank you, brothers. It's good seeing you again. It's and, good uh, seeing you. Throw, throw something in the Justin's yard. Would you like throw an empty beer can? Say that's from Mike. I will. I think I might. Uh, I might like pepper his lawn with flamingos or something. Just oh, I love different. that. Yeah, you know? no, I knew you guys were buddies. I didn't know you guys lived so closely to each other. So that was cool. Yeah, I, actually, you know what? He he just bought this house uh, not too long ago. He's got a pool in the backyard. Uh, I have yet. I've yet to be invited over. Um, I don't know why. So I may just show up in his backyard swimming. Just show up in his backyard, wear the tightest, wear wear a G-string, and just be swimming through. Yeah. Hey, dude. Hey, bro. Love it. Love the water. It's refreshing. I I just want an idea of mine with you. Yeah, I want an idea of mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Oh, brother. Thank you for the time. Thank you, brother. I'll see you, Adam.